when I was a young kid, I heard my sister sneeze one time as this like really big, weird sneeze. And I thought it sounded interesting. Whoa. And I interjected that way of sneezing. Oh, I remember that. this is a great example. And then it's what? become like a way I sneeze. And then I've started to grow and I'm like, I don't have to sneeze like that. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less cynical and more curious life. Trying to say it a little differently that time, but here we are. I'm Scott. And I'm Macy. Welcome to episode number 52. Ooh, didn't know what you were about to say, forgot, (laughs) but here we are. We are doing our third edition. Is this our first third our first third. Our Never first third thought about that. So we do random topics Whoa, here. Oh, that's cool. And the topics are based on our curiosities. And one of them we began not knowing it would be such a journey is defense mechanisms. Yeah. But here we are on our third episode on defense mechanisms. Yeah. What I want to say is we're going to get right into this one. Mm-hmm. We're going to say a few preliminary things, but it's going to be quicker than normal. Yep. I'm watching the time. And then also we'll explain why we're doing that at the end of this episode. If you're interested, if you're not stick around for defense mechanisms, but defense mechanisms is interesting because we obviously like to cover Enneagram. So I guess purely this isn't the first time we've done more than three. Enneagram has been multiple, but we've done um, 21 pilots part two. I think we plan on doing style part two parties, part two introversion, part two, all these part twos. We've done Steven universe part two. But this is our first pure part three part aside three. from Enneagram. Yeah. And I do like to think when I look when I look out at the landscape of Instagram, if that's any indicator of anything, and I don't know if it is. I don't know. I, I, I I'm coming to believe we could have three hundred thousand Instagram followers and only five hundred podcast listeners. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if Instagram is any indicator of anything. But all that to say, um, there's a lot of Enneagram stuff going on out there. Mm-hmm. Not very much defense mechanism stuff. So I feel like there's a little window for us there. Right. Well, and, and I I'm think not doing it to, to build a window. I'm actually genuinely interested in this. But uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. But I do think it is important to note that the Enneagram and defense mechanisms are like in a one, not one in the same, but when you're doing work in defense mechanisms, you're it's similar to doing the work in the Enneagram learning about your defense mechanisms and processing them and potentially moving past them requires that you do a lot of the same work you do in Enneagram work, such as building awareness, building and catching yourself in it. And it's not fun. No, no, no. So sometimes it is a little fun. Well, it's like, a lot of times it's a little cringy. It's like masochistically fun. Ooh, yes. If I'm being honest. fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's weird kind of fun. It is the truest Enneagram 4 energy of fun, I think. Probably, yeah. So speaking of that, tonight, you guys, we are doing, we're each going to be talking about a different defense mechanism. We each research and we kind of present to each other in real time. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to, you're going to vibe with that energy. (laughs) Yeah. if, If you're listening. So I researched introjection. Which the, the most mysterious. We've talked about it several times. 
But if you listen to the podcast, we talk about Enneagram, and apparently it's the one that's associated with Enneagram 4s, which is what Macy is. Yeah. I don't relate. I don't understand. It's, it's, it's one of the things where sometimes I think I'm a 4, and then when I hear interjection being talked about, I'm like, what? I think you will relate to a few aspects of interjection okay. tonight because I've broadened my understanding of it. But I think there are some spe- like specific ways interjection works that you yeah, probably won't relate Just to. as a it's tease, crazy. my understanding is interjection is swallowing another person's emotions. That's a shorthand, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if anything, my whole life I've been challenged to do that more. Yeah. And even if we talk strength finders, I have empathy in my top five, but I think that's a very strange type of empathy. Like I have empathy in a way that is, um, if I, if I am being sensitive to someone, it's cause I'm looking at them as like a story, the hmm. same way I'm reading a novel. Like I can see why they're sad. I can oh, be like, Oh, that's sad. But I'm not, I'm almost, I'm not viewing them as a human. I'm not, I'm not there with them, with their emotion. I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel it. So that's, that is one definition of interjection. That is one way of looking at maybe it. Maybe that's a tease. Yeah, maybe that is a if tease. You, if you're like, well, what is that's it That's interjecting emotions and that's real-time interjection. There's, it's, there's interjection moments and then the way it plays out in our identity formation. Get excited, everybody. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, it's coming up. And then, um, Scott, you did. So I did control. I'm, bu- I'm about to talk about it. If you've listened to this podcast, here we go. With some change-ups. We're not going to have a break tonight. We're going to get right into the content. Right into the content. Um, And so I'm going to get into it. But I'll just say defense mechanisms. If you want to hear longer explanations, first of all, you can Google it. Mm -hmm. This isn't the only source. Man, I really do want to have a a longer intro, but I'm going (laughs) to try to be. But um, also defense mechanisms, the short explanations, essentially my understanding is... uh, Lies we tell ourselves to not experience painful emotions. That's the short definition. And there's other definitions, I'm sure. But I was reminded of that from this book we've been reading, yeah. or I've been reading, called Why Do I Do That? Yeah, and it's it's the ways in which our ego has decided it will defend itself from itself, basically. Yep, yep, yep. another um, well, well, good way to say it. Yeah, so we're we're all actively using defense mechanisms, and they're very important. They, they do keep us safe, and they do keep us whole, and not from losing our minds, right? And from being able to function in the world. But w- it's the same as Enneagram. Once you have the information, you can make some decisions about what you want to do with that information. Yeah, yeah. And maybe there's some defense mechanisms that are hurting you and not doing. Well, I think yeah. there's also a sense of outgrowing them. Maybe. Oh. Like. Oh 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 yeah 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 yeah. Don't need that one anymore. It helped for a season. Right. And in the process of using them and then becoming aware of them and then being able to act outside of them, that whole process uh, like gives you the strength to, I don't know, encounter the world without them. Mm, mm. I don't know. No, Short, that's true. A long journey ahead. Oh, I, I want to talk. Journey. I'm trying to use some restraint. Okay. Are we getting right into We're going to get control? right into it. Watch this, everybody. Control is a defense mechanism. Control is a defense mechanism. Which I don't think this is a Freudian defense mechanism. Maybe not. Don't know. Don't know the full, complete, comprehensive list of Freudian defense mechanisms. I, I forget it. Um, here I go, jumping right into the content, everybody. Control. And maybe this will be two parts. This will be two parts, I think, this, okay. this conversation. Because what I'd like to do is explain control, and then I'd like to have a philosophical conversation about control. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. 
always here for this kind of thing. <sighs> Maybe I'll start with a brief philosophical. <laughs> so uh, first of all, control as a defense mechanism. The root of it is we are on a, a giant rock hurling through space. Yep. No, no, literally nothing is really truly in our control. Like the, the crops we plant, the animals that surround us, the humans that we interact with, literally nothing is in our control, even our own body. Like, yeah. I mean, we can try to feed it and stuff like that, but like we don't really truly know what exactly what's going to happen in any given moment. There's sickness, there's disease, there are all sorts of unknowns. And so this is a, this is a, this is a giant fear and emotion that we're trying to avoid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That you are somewhat out of, you are completely out of control. So that's, that's the starting point for control. And this is, as we've looked at, as, as we've looked at defense mechanisms, I have a thought that either this is, because I was reading this through the lens of the Enneagram, I have a thought that either this is one that really resonated with me mm-hmm. and is just a personal Scott defense mechanism, or it's one that to me felt the most universal so far. Hmm. I hmm. feel like everybody has this okay. in their own way. And when I was reading it, I was like, it went through almost, again, through the lens of the Enneagram, almost all the types in their own way. You thought, you thought in this sense, we're just dealing with sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Whoops, we're dealing with fives and fours here. Whoops, oh, now we're dealing with threes. How'd that happen? You mm-hmm. know, so you, I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. Okay. But the root cause is the sense of out of controlness we have. Okay. We, we can't control things. We're, we're panicking. Um, so what do we do? Like our essential nature is panicking? I think our central nature is f- fear. I mean, maybe everybody has it in a different way, this, this sense of... Um, randomness is mm. is so disorienting and so we do all sorts of different things to to create almost a false sense of order right and yet that sense of randomness and chaos and out of control is probably the mo- one of the most beautiful things ooh well there's a hack right there it seems like but yeah maybe i'm not here to offer that tonight but <laughs> that's that's a nice little hack <laughs> um so the the the, epi- the the episode the chapter i read today started with this bf skinner He's a psychologist test of these pigeons and um, these pigeons were uh, it's almost like a Pavlovian response. Like essentially if they they started to believe essentially that if they did these sort of little dances and rituals that they'd get this food. Oh, yeah. and um, the, the premise or the, the launch point for this chapter was this idea of superstition hmm. that um, there is little superstition. <laughs> My dog is acting a little funny right now. There's, there's, there's the sort of obvious everyday superstition of lottery tickets, crossing fingers, special numbers, whatever it is that you talk about, rabbit's feet, whatever superstition that seems fairly harmless. But Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, the meta point that was being made is that most of the things we do are at their core superstitious. Hmm. Uh, in the sense that uh, there's things that we think we're going to, that we do that will get a result that are more about a subconscious need to control. Interesting. Is there like an example? Well, there's lots of examples. um, But uh, I mean, he he was starting off at the surface by talking about just those literal lottery type things that we do, crossing Mm -hmm. our fingers. Um, But any, any sort of routine, Hmm. 
subconsciously and psychologically is something similar to crossing your fingers. Yeah. And we're all doing little things. I turn on my heat. I get my food. I You know, here, here comes this and the result will be this and it'll be all nice and controlled. It's like actually at any moment, a tornado could come. You could die an earthquake, global warming. You're not controlling anything. You have no control. But it gives you the illusion of control. Yeah. And it's and, and there is sort of an underlying belief. I do this, I do this, pay my bills, I do this, and then someday, 70, I'll retire. Oh, you know, it's like you're not guaranteed to retire. Yeah. You're not guaranteed to live to 70. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's by its very nature superstitious in the purest sense of the term. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yes. I think there's an aspect of this though that's like those things also are just like essential for living and living. I know. Happily and healthily. <laughs> sure. For sure. For sure. I I don't, I mean, this is, we're starting maybe not the best point because it's very meta. Okay. And it gets a little bit more specific. So if you're listening, you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Maybe I'll come back, bring it back to that. Um, let me go through the three different categories. Okay. 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 The first one is the most obvious. So thinking about control, everybody. Think, try to get in touch with this emotion. If, if, do you have it? Maybe some people don't. I, I think I do. I relate it. We're, we're not in control. Um, the people in your life, the circumstances of our political system, space, time, like we're just, there's so many unknowns. So it's it, the core fear. The core is there is a fear of that and anxiety about the unknowns. I don't feel anxious okay. about okay, that. Okay, so there you go. So maybe, maybe you're proving my... Me wrong. Like some people don't. I mean, I'm trying to. Okay, I do. I'm trying know, to be I really do. honest yeah. about this. But, and there, I'm sure there are times maybe that mm-hmm. I feel this, but that doesn't feel familiar. That wow. feels comforting. Wow. That feels nice. Like, of course I'm not in control. Okay. Some people, is Macy representing you out there? <laughs> is this, some people relate to Macy? I would be scared if I was in some way. Which, which makes a point. Like, maybe some, I, I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast know you. Some people that are listening probably don't know you. <laughs> and that's true. You're, you're not a very controlling person, which maybe speaks to the fact that you're not, at your core, really spooked by a lot of the stuff. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, I think this is interesting getting to the core because, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to get into a I place mean, of being spooked there, by that. There, we, you and I will have these moments where I'm like, can you believe this person did this? And you're like, oh, so what? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You know, and it's like you're obviously just... They can do what they want. That's it. That's life. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> Shoulder shrug. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so that's interesting. So that's the premise. The first one is the sort of the most, most like obvious form of control, which is literal controlling. Mm-hmm. Right. So especially in relationships. And this is where if I'm, I'm just going to go full Enneagram on this. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm if, going to be going yeah. full Enneagram too. Yeah. I'm sorry if somebody's not listened to this before and doesn't know Enneagram, but we're just going in. Well, can I just say one quick point? Yeah. I think because we do care and in some ways have we've studied this system of personality and seeing things and part of that is getting to this like defense mechanisms yeah. like defense mechanisms shape our identity. It's part if there's of it. Anything, they go hand in hand. If there's anything that I've learned from doing whatever our like low key deep diving research is it's that defense mechanisms are so much more than just like a Oh, little things that you do. It's like things that you do all the time and are always relying on that yeah. are shaping who you are. Yes. And we all have a few that we do. And then those combined, like that creates 
your personality, your identity. Yeah. It's it's how you respond to everything. Yes. So it's essential, I think, that we talk about the Enneagram because it's okay. our and language I can't for help it. it. Can't help it. So this, this to me would be probably, and sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry, actually. This, this to me would be eights and ones. Okay. Classic control. So this is like um, bossy. Uh, this is like the dad that like, I mean, I literally had a friend that said his dad, when they would be out in public, would like hold him by the neck. Not like a, not like a scruffy dog guy, but like kind of like I'm guiding you in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, this is, this is some things I've, I've honestly, sadly fell into as a husband. Like my wife being out and be like, I need to know what time you're coming home. Mm-hmm. Not proud of that, but it happened. I've got issues. I'm a human. Yeah. Um, but more of like bossy, controlling, domineering. You need to do it my way. My or the highway. This is the right way. You do it like this. That's just control. Right. And that's like, it's just like what I'm picturing and envisioning as people who just by nature, like assume that like their way has like a lot of validity and that people should just naturally follow it. That's true. But there's layers of defenses to that. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't know. One and eight would have to be in here in order to explain it to us. But like, um, if there is a core fear of out of controlness, you know, maybe one of the ways they bring order into their own. That's that's what's so trippy. Especially, I'm I'm just gonna call out ones right here for a second. Okay. And I don't. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm talking, I'm I am later going to call out for so hard. So okay. I'm so okay. sorry for <laughs> for what you are gonna have to hear. Um, <laughs> you know, ones have one of the trippiest ways of getting around a conversation in the sense of like one the the one's big thing is to appeal to a higher moral code Mm -hmm. so it's like i don't agree it should be done that way in there and they'll say something like well the bible says Hmm. you're like wait gosh how do i how do i engage with that right because you're like what do you think yeah yeah. the the person instead of Seeming to think, and it's and it's a trump card. It's like I can't even. You, now you said this, you, the higher moral code. I mean, it's not just the Bible, but it's like this article, this this it's thing the that law. I'm subscribing. It's, yeah, that's it's not about this. There's no discussion here, but but I just this is why I love talking about defense mechanisms. It's like the the thing that's animating that and motivating that is not. I mean, it's almost like a high to low view. It's 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 not a higher moral code. You, you want to say it is. You so want to say it is. It makes it yeah. so much easier to assert your authority or control in that sense. But actually what's being asserted here is something that's compensating for your fear of, hmm. of out of controlness. Yeah. You know, yeah. and now it's impacting me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, the, I'm not, I'm not typically, you'll hear my stuff in a second, but I'm not typically the controlling type in that sense i can be i think everyone can be at times oh that's yeah not my everyone main can mode. be um but just so you know see, see so i want to say like um uh, control is a defense mechanism do you no, see i think that talking about in terms of defense mechanisms is helpful in pointing to what we externally experience which is the way defense mechanism works is they're external typically but there's something happening that's being repressed Mm -hmm. that's like being like brought down so while someone may be appearing controlling and it can be like i don't know like oh someone's controlling but it's like they need that yeah they need that because and what sad thing happened to them that made them feel so out of control 
at a young age. I mean, age. it's lots of things. It's also just what we sure. interpret into what happened. Yeah, it's an interpretation. The next one was more of a three-like control. Okay. And that meant I've got to control your perception of me. Oh. So this is Instagram. This oh. is Facebook. This is when I when I talk to you, you're not engaging with my true self. You're engaging with the avatar that I'm mm. sending out. Mm. <laughs> um, and I've got to work so hard and, and control every element of what you're seeing and understanding about me. Uh, that Yeah, it, it's like this huge control of your what you're putting out. Mm-hmm. It ensures that you'll see a very particular image that I want you to see. Oh, yeah. That's so that's another form of control. Isn't that interesting? Because when I saw control as the chapter title, I thought, oh, it's going to be the first one I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But this, they went all in on this. Hmm. And they talked about self-image. Um, and so, so that fear of feeling out of control can manifest itself in like literally controlling someone and bossing them around, or it can be like, I've got to really make sure I get myself under control and my image and what people think of me. See, I can somewhat relate to this in a very different, I think, way than probably like a three like way. Mm. But like, I, I see how I think I guess I think this gets a little bit of everybody. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can see myself like using outward appearance and like persona as a way to like feel probably in control mm. of my like self and life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Even, uh, Oh, <laughs> See? <laughs> this is good. You have a realization, but um, yeah, I mean, These little ways. this is, this is interesting. The more you delve deep into this and guys, we talked last week about curiosity, like it, it, it um it destigmatizes some of this stuff and it and it I don't I don't know I want to say detaboos. Like it is like the the word manipulation is a taboo. Right. Nobody wants to be told they're manipulating. And we're all at the manipulating. Same time, we're, yeah. At the same time we're all manipulating. So I'll get to something that I related to in a second, but in this sense, I mean I can relate on a small scale to manipulating through image. Yeah. But it does seem like a fairly aggressively, at the end of the day, three type of thing, but maybe a four, I don't know, maybe a heart-centered type person. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, now that's interesting. Mm. Okay. Because I could well, see it okay. too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm helpful. I'm here for you. I'm good. I'm happy. They have control I'm by what corner. others think of them, yeah. of their the way that they act in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing twos threes and fours are all image driven yeah you're gonna see in a second too like there's just nobody that gets out of this i mean <laughs> there's nobody that yeah gets out. i mean you would think that the most classically controlling would be like a six eight and one i think in my opinion mm. like uh sixes would really want a very controlled environment but uh but this is this gets this gets a few more this gets a few more maybe it, maybe it gets two threes and fours i don't know mm. but uh, have you thought about this? Like the the manipulation of people through the control of your image that you're putting out. What are you wanting people to think about you? In that you are manipulating them because you're not telling them your whole self. And so mm-hmm. there's only seeing this. That's a lot of control you're side. exerting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A lot of effort you're putting out there. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I can see this. Oh, this is. Oh. Uh. I mean, uh, another little side note. Um, uh, again, this is uh, 
this is more on the serious side, so it's not like playful and silly, but they were saying, of course, this falls under this category, but cutting falls under the category of control. Like if you're feeling out of control, hmm. they were saying like, I can, I can control the pain. I can control when hmm. I feel it. I can control how it happens. And that's just another form of control and how it manifests itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like it can be anything that you fixated on mm-hmm. that you can then, because you fixated it and probably othered it, you can then have some sense of control of it. Mm-hmm. Oh Ooh, boy. Oof. Macy's oh having gosh. some reactions. To this one. So this, that was, that was, um, part a of part two. Oh, so there was part one, which was the f- sort of aggressive, classic, dominating, bossy. Now we're sort of in the image manipulation type of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part A. Okay. Um, part B is the one I will relate to. Okay. And which I just felt like today I was feeling sort of the classic cringy things that people would say that you feel when you read your number. Oh, and no. This may be a four and a five thing. Oh, I don't no. know. But control, oh gosh, listen to this. <laughs> They're saying um, grandiose acts of, of, of lack of confidence is a way of controlling inevitable acts of, of a response of encouragement. I'm smart enough to know that I'm not going to tell you you need to tell me I'm great. But I do need to hear that I'm great. And so the way I'm going to control you is I'm going to say, I'm not that great. This is the biggest <laughs> energy. This is like the push-pull energy. And somebody feels inevitably obliged to say, no, you are great. <laughs> You're like, no, no, I feel really sad. You know, no. And you're like, yo, no, you are. You know, I, you know. <laughs> I like was like, oh, time, my gosh. The whole time a- you're subconsciously controlling that and getting the desired result. Yeah. Yeah, dang, yeah. Dang, dang. <laughs> it's another it's almost uh, a more subversive and low-key manipulative way to control oh um, this is a hundred percent how i mean uh, I, <sighs> four has got to be out there feeling this. i know it's big isn't it i felt really convicted hold on let me i i can edit this so i can get my book so yeah i mean the second form of control the first is the aggressive i'm going to control my image and then I'll get the blatant compliments that I assume that's going to get. But um, another way of doing it is, um, I I I don't even know. That's the trippy thing about all these. You don't even know you're doing it. You don't even know you're doing it. You don't even know you're doing it until you yeah. can look back or every once in a while catch yourself in yeah. it. But it's almost always at the very end, and then you're like, "What was I doing? Mm-hmm. What just happened?" And this was the hard part today because I was thinking about this because today I was feeling some genuine feelings of insecurity and self-loathing. And um, I want to share that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I do think there's, that's what we have to wrestle with and grapple with. We have to be honest with ourselves and wonder, why am I doing this? Yeah. Is it because I'm wanting to be honest about how I'm doing or is it because I'm manipulating someone and giving me a response? Even if I am doing that, is that that bad? Sometimes I need to do that. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. it's not blatantly evil. No. To to be doing that. It's just it's just important to acknowledge. Yeah, and I think it's also important to recognize that sometimes we can in our like vulnerabilities and like self-loathing moments, we can we can steer you a person, I'm saying we, but just because I can tell that I probably <laughs> do this. <laughs> you can like steer the res- kinds of responses you're looking for mm-hmm. with your like 
emotional self-loathing. Like there is a self-loathing, but you can steer it towards a desired way of getting around it, which is sad. I mean, it gets at this deeper thing of like self-loathing. Yeah. 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 And like there is, I don't know. You know, well, before I get to the final part of control, I'll just say this, like as a side note of, um, I, I have this thought often of, we are so manipulated, informed, impacted by the movies and the books that we watch. And to think about, I've never written a book, but I imagine when you are writing a book or you're writing a movie, you're trying to write a scene or orchestra a scene with big emotional impact. And this is true for me. And I think in the big, the big moments in my life, I've thought, oh, this is, that, this is like that scene I watched in that movie or that book or you... You say this is the this, these are the beats of the conversation I need to hit, mm-hmm. and actually a, a mature conversation probably feels to a certain extent compared to the movies we've watched, fairly boring or unsatisfying. So instead of doing this manipulative thing that feels really emotionally loaded, for me to actually look at somebody and say, <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy because we're not used to it. no 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 scriptwriter is going to write a scene like this because it'd be boring, hmm. it'd be too easy. You know, it'd be too mature. What would you say? <laughs> I'd say, um, I would really appreciate some encouraging words from you today. I'm feeling down. That's not manipulative. <laughs> no. I'm, I, I, could you say, I know. Like, what do you think What are you about feeling me? down about? You, you know? know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I know, I know you don't, I it know you. It sounds so easy, I know but I have hard. some flaws, but, but could you just tell me a few things you like about me right now? I really do need to hear that. Yeah. You know, that's a nice, mature way of handling it. Instead of just saying... I'm worthless. And then looking at someone until they say <laughs> something. No, you're not. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I got what I wanted. <laughs> Hiding. Uh, ooh, it's hard, isn't it? Okay, what's the next okay, here one? Here comes my most cringy. And I. this is how I, again, feel like when we hear our Instagram <laughs> number. Are the I felt so convicted. Uh, and it's really a mind trip, too, you know. But this is... Um, uh, Okay, the third part is controlling people through incompetence. Oh. So, I mean, they literally use the, this is just, Macy and I are in my house tonight. So, like, um, literally the idea of, like, I don't know how to do the dishes. So I don't do them, so somebody does them. It's a way of control. I don't know how to fill out that form. I don't know how to... Like these little faux. Which is so funny because it puts you out of control. I know, I know, I know. But for me personally, um, probably in my life, I feign incompetence with the hope that somebody will do it for me. Really? You all, yeah. I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think this is again like the information that you have to play with. Yeah. Right. It's not black and white. It's not like I always do this. Right. I do think. Also, in my endeavors to know myself, I've also learned that there are certain things I just truly am not very good at, you know. Um, but I, I do think there are things that I neglect with the hopes that somebody will fill in that gap. I can feel that. Yeah, and yeah. It's so and and isn't it weird to put it in the context of a form of control? Yeah, that is so interesting. It feels. It feels like putting things out of your control, but I guess maybe it's because you're not trusting oh, right. yourself as well, much. Well, this is the crazy brain, isn't it? It's it's true. The the <sighs> logical way of saying it is you're putting it out of your control, but 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 put it this way of like saying like uh, 
like again, in the, uh, he uses a lot of sort of domestic marriage examples, but like so that resonates with me. Um, but if you're saying like, I'm not going to pay that bill. Well, the pressure will build until the other person pays the bill, and right, then, right, and then say, so oh. Instead of just saying, oh, like I can't. The direct way, the opposite of a defense mechanism, and he says this over and over again in the book, is di- is directness. Yeah, yeah. The, di- the the most honest thing to do would be like, I don't want to pay that bill. I want you to pay the bill. And then and you, then you, and then you deal with the reality of that <laughs> that re- you know reality. Yeah. But um, the manipulative things. control thing is like, you, we think of control as that first thing. I'm being bossy. I'm telling you, I want you to pay that bill. You do it. Yeah. And did you do it? And I'm controlling you. But this is a more low-key manipulative way of controlling. I'm yeah. not going to do it to the point where you feel so much stress that I didn't do it, that you're going to inevitably do it. Now I don't have to do it. Now I controlled you by Because you doing knew it. eventually you wouldn't have to do it yeah. because the other person was going to get me first. I've got to think about that. Yeah, this is... Uh, gosh, we are cringy people, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> uh, defense mechanisms. I guess, are you guys thinking about this control thing? Uh, here's, here's a little sentence that I... Um, <laughs> this podcast yeah. where we talk <laughs> about defense book. mechanisms and just talk about crazy. I don't know. Is this is anybody's tracking? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, so I feel like this kind of sums up everything in a little bit of, of an emotional way. Okay. Um, Bring it on. And it adds just one more little uh, element to this. But if you're thinking about um, sort of this emotional way of... S- invoking insecurity and then not following up on things and needing somebody to take care of you. You would think that doesn't seem like control, but it's a form of control. And that's what I've realized this week. It wasn't, it was a brand new thought to me. Yeah. Brand new thought. So he goes, we're subconsciously doing these. We are subconsciously. If your life seems like a series of emotional upsets and you frequently need help managing them, if important people in your life often feel the need to take care of you, they may be responding to your efforts to elicit help. Unconsciously, you might be using your quote-unquote helplessness in order to control people, forcing them to come to the rescue. On a lesser scale, if you often forget to do things you've promised to do and others around you have to pick up the slack, if you put off confronting problems until someone else has to step in, listen to this sentence, this is the big one I underlined, you may be unconsciously controlling the people around you, forcing them to cope on your behalf. Ah. So my, my interpretation is, Again, as we as we evolve and mature, as we're given information, as we go down the path, we need to do what we can to own our crap and learn to cope, whether it's going to counseling or talking to a friend or acknowledging things, reading a book, yeah. working on yourself. Yeah. But th- that sentence really got me of this sense of like, I can't cope with these emotions and I'm going to find ways to just toss it off to other people. You need to cope for me. Yeah. Tell me I'm great. Do this bill, pay this bill, do the dishes, do, you know, fill in the gaps. Yeah. I don't know. Like that's what I really learned this week about control. Like it, there's a blatant form that's actually probably more refreshing about coming at me with some real control vibes, yeah. but this is way more manipulative and low key. And again, it's not evil. It's not, you're not necessarily a bad person. It obviously comes from hurt and sadness. Yeah. We're essentially beautiful, wonderful mm-hmm. beings of light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we could have a discussion about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with part of that. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, is this is is? Do you get a little bit out of that? I did. I mean, I'm like, 
Some of them really got me and some of them didn't as much, yeah. which I think this But you is, were a little surprised about how some got you? Well, yeah. I mean, no, like once you explain <laughs> them, I was like, yes, that yeah. makes so much sense. But it's just a very interesting, I wouldn't have thought of those as control. Uh, right, right. So Isn't it's just, it's a different way of yeah. viewing them. Um, Take stock of yourselves, everybody. Yeah, oh, I'm going to oh, have to. Sh- should I read this. a few of these little um, exercises to wrap this part sure, up? Sure, ra- yes, yes. Okay. This, this kind of gets them all. Okay. So here's some exercises, everybody. If you're listening to this, because this is what happens. We'll post on Instagram and people are like, I don't get it. Help me understand. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to help you understand necessarily, but here's some exercises. <laughs> are you superstitious? Think it over and don't answer too quickly. You might occasionally have said something like, I'm afraid to talk about it as, sure, as a sure thing because then it won't happen. Maybe you have a lucky number when you buy lottery tickets. Do you consider yourself a lucky or unlucky person? If so, what do you think influences or determines this kind of luck? That's the first exercise. Think about that. The second thing, take a look at your life and assess the importance of routine. Are you a creature of habit? Does it upset you when your routine is disrupted? When you make plans, do you have a hard time adjusting to it when those plans are changed at the last minute? Yes. Me? Yes. Depends. A form of control. Yeah, it depends. Number three. If other people describe you as a neat freak, even if you don't feel yourself to be one, take a few days and stop straightening up. Leave some dishes in the sink overnight. Drape your clothes on the back of a chair rather than hanging them up. Don't make the bed. Take careful note of your actions and describe the ways you feel. I win at doing all of those things. Yeah, you really do. (laughs) We have some friends that would have a hard time. I'm not even going to say some names now, but hold off on the, hold off on the major tidying effort as long as you can and see how it makes you feel. Hmm. Whoa. Four, if you're the sort of person who naturally takes charge to whom family members normally look to to make decisions, try taking a back seat for a week or so. If the others ask you to make a choice for them, decline to do it. If you're the type who, in contrast, always looks to others for guidance, try stepping up to the plate, if only for a few days. Force yourself to be more decisive, even if you're not entirely certain about the best course of action. In both cases, watch carefully for the ways this unaccustomed behavior will make you uneasy. Pay special attention to any change in the ways you may feel about yourself and the other people involved. So see how that gets like an Enneagram 8 and an Enneagram 9? Mm -hmm. It's in both. Um, This one relates to me. Think of an experience that made you feel completely helpless. Try to recall exactly how you felt and describe it in as much detail as possible. If you can't come up with anything, then imagine yourself in a situation where you'd feel frightened and out of control. Write out the scenario. Be vivid. How did you or would you find comfort in the face of helplessness? What is it that helps you feel less out of control? This is the last one. Number six. Examine the role of... Okay, number six. Examine the role of control in your relationships with friends, families, and partners. Who wields the most control and how do they exercise it? The bossy person will be easiest to identify. But see if you can identify any kinds of passive behavior in yourself or others that represents a kind of stealth control. Who has the control between us? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's I, th- that. I think it's a pretty moderate. <laughs> uh, we're pretty, I don't know. That'd be interesting to talk about. <laughs> if you're married or in a romantic relationship, does one of you have more control of your sex life than the other? Interesting to think about, listeners. Does one person Everybody tend to decide when and how often sex takes place? If so, try to reverse the roles. If you have more control, try letting your partner set the terms. If you tend to be passive, consider being more assertive and initiating sex. Interesting. This is wise. Okay, so those are some exercises. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear about introjection. Have you guys heard of this? Mm -hmm. It's the Enneagram 4 defense. 
In other, I think other people interject. Nope. Only in your grand force. <laughs> and back. I have all control in the podcast. <laughs> when we come back. <laughs> Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode on defense mechanisms. We're all so strange and complicated, right? I'm just interrupting this episode for a brief moment to talk about a few ways you can support the podcast. No small thing, the podcast you're currently listening to. I'm just going to go through these really quick in like a bullet point style fashion. Number one, you can share about no small thing on your social media platforms. We've been told that word of mouth is the best way to increase awareness of a podcast like this one. Now, let me just say something to you really quick. You're probably listening to this and thinking, oh, someone else will post about No Small Thing. They don't need me to do it. Well, that's where you're wrong. First of all, not that many people post about us. But second of all, think about if all of our listeners posted something every week while they were listening. That would really help spread the word. So if you're listening now and it's not too much trouble, just give us a little shout out on Insta or Twitter or whatever other platform you use. Number two. The second thing you can do is rate and review us on iTunes. We got a two-star review last week on iTunes, two out of five stars. And it would be so awesome if one of you swooped in with like a nice five-star review this week to balance out our two-star review. <laughs> Three, finally, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows content creators like us to receive financial support from people that appreciate what we're putting out there. We are trying to grow as a podcast. We have big dreams for what this could be, and your financial support through Patreon will help us keep this going. You can support us by simply giving a dollar a month, or you could give more, which would be welcomed. But a dollar is great, too. Just go to patreon.com and search No Small Thing, and you can sign up to support us. We'd really, really appreciate it. Okay, well, I tried to be brief, but I'm long-winded. Hopefully that wasn't too annoying. Oh, but this next part is going to be so worth the wait. Macy gets super deep and vulnerable talking about introjection. I hope you guys are interested in that. I'll get out of your hair now. All right, everybody, we're, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to listen to and hear about introjection now. Okay, so introjection is a defense mechanism. Yep. And it's very complicated, and I am... Intro. Intro. I N T Mm-hmm. A reminder that we are lay folk who are <laughs> yeah. studying Here's what he's listening bees. to this and be like, oh, these are therapists. No. <laughs> we are curious <laughs> and doing research and trying to figure things out and sharing what we found out. This is out. something that's grabbed our attention. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so... As I've been uncovering and trying to wrap my head around introjection, it has been very difficult mm-hmm. because it seems that introjection works in a, ver- a variety of ways. Okay. okay. So I'm going to read a very short paragraph yes. that maybe will give us some clarity because I think this covers a few bits of it, but we'll delve more into okay. it. Okay. So introjection. Okay. Here we go. Oh, boy. Interjection occurs when a person takes stimuli in their environment and adopts them as their own ideas. Mm. This may involve internalizing criticism from another person and believing that the other person's points to be valid. A person may interject religious ideas that they had heard at church or political opinions that friends espouse. Behavior can also be interjected. The mannerisms of a father may be observed by their son and then replicated. Okay. I mean, to me, it sounds like, to me, it sounds like another way of saying enmeshment. Yes, so the concept of, and like I think the movement and the way I think I would best describe what interjection kind of looks like is 
the person experiences something in the environment and subconsciously takes whatever that is in the environment. That can be like a huge series of things, okay. including emotions, ideas, oh, beliefs. Oh, 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 so oh. it's like if I yes. were you take that thing. It's not just in, emotions. In I another, have an it's aha not moment. just emotions. Yeah. You take that thing in another person and then it's like you've snatched it from them and then you internalize it and it becomes a part of your identity. Ooh, so you don't boy. it's you don't snatched even realize it. you're doing it. <laughs> But you will just, you take on that other thing's beliefs mm-hmm. as if they are your own and they, be, they become this is, this enmeshed in be your identity. Cult. <laughs> this is why I always want to be a part of a cult. This is why I've, I thought this so many times. <laughs> I don't actually, but like, I think I would, I feel so susceptible. You know it appeals to you and, you, and you're already aware. So I am so aware like, that yeah. I could accidentally get yeah. sucked into a cult. The whole, the whole big picture of thing could be like, oh yeah, I'm getting all into this. The guru, the vibes, <laughs> the people, the program. It's also appealing. <laughs> 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 so, okay. so wait, my question is like, what is the root fear here? Okay. What's it protecting you from? Okay, so... So most defense mechanisms, again, guys, this is complicated. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So introjection is considered like a projection next, like projection, and then it's like introjection's the next thing, okay, kind of, in that. It's like reverse projection. It's like reverse projection. Yeah. Um, but so what happens in projection is there's like a repression. There's a repression mm-hmm. of your own feelings, opinions, ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and interjection is a little different in that it, it doesn't seem as much like there's something that has to be repressed, except by nature, your own thoughts, beliefs, opinions, things become repressed because you are sucking in other yes. beliefs, ideas, mannerisms, way, like emotions from your environment. Wow. Like it's a way of avoiding self hmm. by swallowing up what's around you and internalizing that and making that what you deal with because it's easier to deal with that than yourself. Mm. It's mm. really weird and wow. wild. Wow. Wow. Um, an interjection is like, I mean, you're, I'm going to read Naranjo and I'm going to read Beatrice. Ooh, ooh, because, ooh, some big ones. Because so interjection is, considered the core defense mechanisms of Enneagram fours. And I think interjection by nature, as you can hear, it plays a huge role in identity formation. Mm-hmm. You, if this is a primary way in which you are existing and leaning onto and defending yourself, then you're constantly as a creature swallowing other people's things Ooh, and, you're and taking it as your own. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And taking it as your own. And I've been having like a lot of tricky emotions around this because as, (laughs) as a four, I care so deeply that I'm being authentic and myself and I legitimately like see myself as being very different. And yet when I really think about it, I'm just like a conglomeration of all these other things I've swallowed up and there. Maybe it's not actually, you know, it's like, not actually Ooh. me, and I can see this. I can see this Ooh. in my patterns 
as like, I mean, maybe less today. I don't know. I, I can't see my patterns as well today, I guess. Well, as Reuven says, we're a series of performances. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I can look back <laughs> at like my life and see these different people and ways of thinking that I just very quickly internalized mm-hmm. and very quickly identified with. And like you find identification in it. Yeah. So introjection and identification are also like very linked. So that is one part of it. But I also think like in terms of ideas and beliefs. Ooh. So it's like that's you can interject those kinds of things and you interject your caretakers. And maybe I should just read Naranjo now. Ooh, 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 okay, let's do it. Because then I'll talk. Beatrice and Naranjo are any uh, people out there Enneagram. if you didn't know who they were. Um, Claudio Naranjo and Beatrice Chestnut, PhD. PhD. Uh, I think I think I think Naranjo is PhD too. I don't want to discredit Naranjo. Um, okay, this is relatively long. Let's get right into it. This okay. is what we do. Okay. We already got right to the content, so like, let's give ourselves a little credit here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and read uh, along. I relate to some of this. I don't relate to all of this. And Naranjo is going to be using type four in this. Not only type fours can relate to this. Mm -hmm. I think other types. I mean, do you feel like you interject? I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. I mean, if anything, like I feel like I need to interject more. Oh, gosh. Well, okay. A side note is there there's some people out there who talk about like positive interjection Uh. of like, if you're surrounded by, this is where I'm like positive. Like who's saying that a certain belief is more positive than another? Yeah. But like, quote unquote, if you're surrounded by good influences, yeah, virtuous people, all these things, you're interjecting that. Hmm. But I think we tend to, and I this linked to a four, reveals that we are, we probably, we're, we're latching more onto the darker things and like the criticism. Mm. Well, I guess I relate to that. And, and I relate to, I mean, it's, I guess another way of saying open-minded, like I I can be pretty easily swayed because of a desire to be open-minded by anybody around me. I could be like, this was my opinion. And then somebody else would come in and confidently assert a different opinion. Like, yeah, I can see that. Maybe that's my opinion. You know? Yeah. Uh, So maybe in that sense. Yeah. I've always thought it was, we're almost exclusively talking about emotions, but if we're talking about also interjecting ideas, I could probably get a little bit more. Yeah, so it's 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 everything. It's also environmental. I mm, think it is legitimately mm. like I can we're speak really, to this. We're really broadening the umbrella here with both of these today. Yeah. Well, we I think it goes to show these are complex things. Yeah. Our brains are complex. It's not just systems. for fours. This world is complex. We're trying to participate. <laughs> it's just so messy. It's just so messy. Um oh, what was I saying? Okay. Oh, oh, environment. Okay, environment. environment. I think, and these are, I think, more just my own thoughts, but it seems that it's not just, I mean, it can, it is usually people, but it is like a mood. It can be a mood of the environment. It can also, I think, like weather can play a role. Yeah, in this is the difference between you and me. I, I do, I work pretty hard to stay unattached from my environment. Right, you know? right. And as where I'm, wholly invested in my environment. Yeah, I'll watch you walk into a room and where I'm like instantly unattached. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, and I can see you're like being impacted by it. And you're like being taken down or being moved. I'm like, what's going on over here? What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're losing our, 
<laughs> She's swallowing something. Uh, okay. Okay, so I'm just going to get right into this. Naranjo uses big words. We're going to do our best, okay? That's what this podcast does, though. I like the big words. I know. Me too. Yeah. And there's part of this reading it. This is probably my third or fourth time reading it. I don't fully comprehend everything mm, Naranjo is saying. Ooh. I'm there's, not, not going to comprehend it all, but I'm, I'm going to be here for I'm it. I'm going to try and read it slow. And if you are curious to keep reading or to... Go keep back listening. and keep listening. Go back and listen again. <laughs> By the Rewind. end, I was like, I literally wrote in my notes, no, no, no. <laughs> That's great. That's okay. great. Okay. So defense mechanisms. No, 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 no. Ah. Okay. In my experience, <laughs> the dominant defense mechanism in any type four is distinctively introjection. Wait, how's he start? In what? What does he say? In my experience. In my experience. Yes. Okay. Okay. The dominant defense mechanism in any type four is distinctively introjection. Hmm. The operation of which becomes apparent through a consideration of the character structure itself. We may say that the bad self-image of type four is the direct expression of an interjected, self-rejecting parent, and that an envious neediness results from the chronic self-hate entailed by such introject. Whoa. (laughs) You could spend, you, you could go away for a year. And just think about that sentence. I definitely could. For a year. (laughs) Oh. The need of external (laughs) approval and love being in the nature of a need to compensate for the inability to love oneself. Oh. (laughs) I'm going to get, okay. (laughs) The concept of interjection was first introduced by Ferenczi... In introjection and transference, okay. the concept was taken up by Freud in his analysis of the mourning process mm. in mourning and melancholia, mm. oh. where he observes that the individual reacts to the loss of love by becoming like to the loved one, as oh. if as if saying to the dead loved one, "I don't need you. I now have you inside myself." Oh. Oh. This is too real. I've done this with a bird. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, in Ferenczi and Freud, the emphasis lies in the idea of bringing into oneself a good object. It was Melanie Klein who stressed the importance of bad interjects. In these cases, it is as if the person, driven by an excessive love need, wanted to bring a per- Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, in these cases, it's as if the person, driven by an excessive love need, wanted to bring a parental figure into the self at all mm. costs. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is too much. Yeah. In connection with the subject of interjection, it may be useful to point out that Freud frequently used the terms interjection and incorporation without differentiating their meanings. Incorporation, I can see that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. same thing. In present usage, incorporation retains the meaning of a fantasy of bringing a person into one's body, while in interjection, the the notion is more abstract. The fantasy of bringing one into one's body. What a trippy thing. Yep. Yikes. Um... (laughs) <laughs> well, we're all so weird, everybody. We are all <laughs> so weird. Um, 
Interjection, okay, interjection, the notion is more abstract. So then in speaking of interjection into the ego, for instance, there is no particular reference to body boundaries. Mm -hmm. The -hmm. word internalization is also used in the same sense as interjection sometimes, though it may be more proper to retain it to indicate the transposing of a relationship from the outer world to the inner. Internalization, incorporation. It's taking what's outside and grabbing it and putting it inside yourself as if it's that's its root yeah. it feels like. I've said this before but it's like inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> in the sense that it's not right it's, it's like crazy. like i want to say if somebody did that to me i'd be like give me my emotion back no 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 i want to slap someone's hand I, it's not yours i am doing this <laughs> it's, but i, I want to say side note like I, I did learn this in counseling. And like I said initially in, in the beginning of this, like using terms like enmeshment. Yeah. And my wife and I were married for 10 years before we even heard that word. Mm-hmm. And it w- I mean, so maybe I, maybe I even, maybe both of us, Marissa and I, were even doing some interjection mm-hmm. um, of saying uh, it was an aha moment, a massive aha moment for our counselor to say, first of all, Marissa's emotion is not your emotion. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. And again, that, that wraps me up in like sort of the old Hallmark movies we watch and stuff. Like I thought, it, I thought it was virtuous essentially to be like, "Marissa's oh. sad, I'm sad." Oh yeah. But also, it's inhibiting your ability to help. Oh, for if sure. Marissa's like, "I'm sad," and I go, "Oh, I'm me too." Oh, and she's like, "Wait, shoot, I'm the one feeling unstable right now. What do you mean you're sad now? Now we're both sad, you know?" I feel so embarrassed when I legitimately <laughs> think about this. Like I feel so embarrassed, and I, the thing is. I'm going to keep doing it. Right, right. Like oh, yeah. I am going to continue keep manipulating people by being to build competent. awareness and work on it. But like I know I'm still out there doing it. But I can think of so many situations in which I've I've essentially stolen like someone's <laughs> yeah, stolen. real That's experience, Give it back. emotion or what they're going through. And it's like. I am so overwhelmed by it <laughs> that I need it. It's okay. Ooh, and this is embarrassing. We are getting real. Again, we are getting real. <laughs> it is like, like uh, tasty is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love, I love how honest you're being. It makes it so good. Tasty. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and I'm oh, not even, that is real. I am that not like real. consciously like, Oh, like this sad experience emotion. There's like thing they're going through. Like I, I feel mm, obliged. Yeah. I don't want this, but I feel obliged to. You're I, like, yeah. you're not like, ooh. Well, I will wrap sadness. myself around the best. The thing to do is to just grab it and like oh. and it's like it's almost a form of gluttony it's like, in its own way. Oh, it I think it yeah. might be. It's like things certain situations can like really I think when I look back at like my younger years like a prayer circle someone brings something like really really like rich and vulnerable like it's dark but i'm like i can get lost in this other thing and then experience their emotion as if it happened to me and i'm like weirdly convinced that it happened to me you know (laughs) you probably don't i'm only laughing because this is so funny like i i i don't know funny um it's so weird. We're it so weird. It is so weird. It is yeah. so weird. And you don't realize it in and the And just moment. knowing you, I guess I guess this is a, a compliment to you, though. This? But a compliment to you, though. I'm only able to laugh because, because of your self-awareness. When someone's not self-aware and you bring this up and they get really uncomfortable, it gets awkward. But you're like, 
you're obviously self-aware about this, so it makes it... I mean, there's a release to laughing about <laughs> it. You know, it's like, wow, this is so crazy. It is but so crazy. We can it laugh. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, and since my first understanding of it, I have f- caught myself a few mm-hmm. times. And s- by catching myself, I've been able to stop myself sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. one time recently, I commented this on Instagram, but I remember it so vividly because I was like, this was a moment I did it, where, like, someone came up to me at work and was like, I'm so stressed about this, blah, blah, blah. And I could like really feel their stressed energy. Yeah. And I wanted it. Like, Oh, what? I I don't, I don't know that. That is a fascinating, this is why it's so great. It's like, I don't always, I don't always. No, not always, but interviewing the types, it's like, we need to hear from a two what it's like to be a two because I don't know what it's like. Can we just name, Naranjo is, you didn't finish, you didn't get to the no, no, no No part. No, I will finish it. I will, but this, the way that Nirano describes Enneotype 4s is the envy and depressive masochistic character. Yikes. So, like, that's... Yikes. And I can get in that headspace, but not in the purest sense, I don't think. That's yeah. what I really, really okay, but, realized. But I did in the moment. And it's okay. It sounds masochistic, but I'm in my mind, I think I've wrapped my head around this idea. And I don't think moral is the right word, but I've convinced myself that it's moral to yeah. suck in yeah. that. Yeah, you and I had a literal fight about that one time. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You were like you were like scandalized that I hadn't sucked it in. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, "Hey, we need to do this over here." And you're like, "Somebody is sad." What do you mean? <laughs> Why are we all you know? Just as what do you sad? mean? Get back to it. Somebody's sad. I'm sad. You should be sad. We should all be sad. <laughs> you know? I was like, "What?" That's a brand new thought to me. I was like, <laughs> "I'm not getting into any details." So I was like, "What is he talking about?" But you were mad uh, that I wasn't also sad and, and debilitated. This. Yep. You know, <laughs> you were out for the count, you know, <laughs> uh, and you, and you seemed morally superior in that moment. You're like, I felt it. You're like, you son of a gun, you, you silly, stupid, incompetent, <laughs> you know, plebeian. I <laughs> am being so crazily honest in this, but I appreciate that. I feel, I do feel that weird mor- morality in yeah. it. It's yeah. we are so entrenched in these ways of thinking. Yeah. Okay, I'm okay, gonna okay, keep okay. reading okay. Naranjo uh-huh. and just I hope this is entertaining for it you. Is, and and fours out there, I'm very curious mm-hmm. if you are relating. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're <laughs> eating it too. They're eating it up. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it already to the no, no, no part? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Now, remember, I think the the way around any sort of like, because we got in this a few weeks ago with my parents, a way around of like pure blame is like the perceived wound. Oh, it's perceived. Oh, it's for sure perceived. I can look back and this has actually helped me like Mm -hmm. to see the perception. Yeah. And we're invested in those perceptions and we go back to them. They're Mm -hmm. safer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Big deep breath. Oh, boy. The Mulaney Klein gives much importance to projection and the mechanism of envy, as is the paradigmatic fantasy of putting extraments in mother's breasts. Ooh. <laughs> what a strange parenthesis. Ooh. I think that the process through which in type four familiarity breeds contempt. Yep. And through which the available yep. is never as desirable as mm. the unavailable. Mm. Oh, there it is, fours. There it is, the longing. Okay, so the next thing that I'm going to read is where I was like, dang. And it's talking about another defense mechanism that I think is linked to interjection. Oh. And it'll it'll kind of tie but things up. we're in the four zone here. We're in the four zone. Naranjo. 
Yep. Also striking in type four psychology, particularly as the manifest as manifested in the therapeutic process, is the mechanism of turning against the self. Ooh, 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 ooh. Roughly the same uh-oh. mechanism that Pearl calls retroflection. Uh oh, uh oh, retroflection. Never heard this before. Well, sa- self hating. Put <laughs> yeah, it on bonus. Patreon. Don't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested, support us on Patreon. <laughs> Well, retroflection. <laughs> retroflection. <Didn't> expect that. <laughs> okay. While self-hating or self-rejection is implicit in the notion of an interjected bad object, the idea of retroflection invites the thought that anger generated in consequence of frustration is aimed not only at the outer source of frustration into the original frustrator in one's <sighs> life, but also <laughs> in consequences of its interjection <sighs> at one. So, <laughs> oh, this is so complicated. Okay, ah. so okay. Basically, what's happening, and I feel this so hard. If I am mad at someone mm-hmm. for something, I will be just as mad at myself yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's I've seen it. <laughs> it's like I'm aggressively also have to be mad at myself. I can't just like at some point. On like see it as the other. I oh. have to also take it in oh. as if it's my own thing. Oh, it is <laughs> frustrating. Yeah, yeah, not not tremendously helpful for anybody. <laughs> it's not, but hopefully talking about it will make it make me see it. <laughs> it remains to consider, aside from a dominant defense mechanism, the existence of a dominant content of repression in Type Four a content to the repression of which interjection may be most specifically suitable. I think that it may be said that the most avoided attitude for type four is that of demanding superiority, which is so natural in type one. In Mm. light of this interjection is a mechanism that makes it possible for the person to transform superiority into inferiority as they adopt the masochistic strategy in interpersonal (laughs) relationships. Oh, Oh, so complicated. Yes. Ah, isn't that weird? There is a, there is a feeling ultimately of superiority, and now it's being transformed into inferiority. But it is essentially that same superiority, but mm-hmm. it's now through virtue of inferiority. Oh. And yet it's also fully experienced as also oh. being inferior. Look how bad I am. I'm better than you by acknowledging how bad I am. Oh, oh, I'm I'm winning at acknowledging how bad I am. <laughs> <laughs> you could be the oh, worst. Oh. Yeesh. You could be the saddest. Oh, fours. Oh, fours. <laughs> Comes the most. at such a cost. Because this is the thing, it's like um, I guess two quick ref- reflections is the benefit that fours offer us, which I say oftentimes I'm very drawn to f- the four energy in the sense that they they draw us and bring us into our emotions like the artists and stuff like that. Any, any number can be an artist, but, um, but this is a new thing in terms of like the energy. I think a lot of people get from you is experiencing your interjection as a good thing. Cause there is something very appealing. And I guess I'm, I am drawn to people like this in my life. So the people that I consider close to me are people that get excited about something. That's mm-hmm. why you have no small thing. That's yeah. why this is, everything is interesting. You walk in a room and you're interjecting ideas. Mm-hmm. There is something about, I think a lot of people would say this about you. If they read something that they think is cool or they hear a song, the first thought is like, oh, I can't wait to show Macy. Because we'll, we'll experience the interjection. 
you'll be like, oh, I love this. And, and now and then all of a sudden I love it more it than together. you did. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, a thing but that often... you sure. But there is something kind of rewarding about that, at least for me. Maybe others not so much, but. Yeah. Um, I, I know people, not just me, say that. I, oh, I want to show Macy. You know, because they're all interjected, I guess. Yeah, and that can be a, that's a nice thing. That's very interesting. I know that's the thing. You know, gotta just gotta put this disclaimer out there for people and fours out there. This is like the dark shadow side mm-hmm. of ourselves, mm-hmm. and we are all guilty of this. And it's limiting ourselves in mm-hmm. so many, so many ways. But like. We got to have grace for ourselves. Got to have some grace. We are all... Because these defense mechanisms are protecting you. Yeah. And helping you survive. And this language is so... It's hard and it's harsh because we're we're so unaware of the role it's playing. So it's just continuing to try and see that. And I think first reading about interjection a couple months ago has helped me. But, like, I already can tell this is unlocking me to just different ways of... It makes me put into question what am I interjecting and what ideas have I interjected and what ideas do I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to read Beatrice too? Or do you want to, I mean, I don't know. I, what is our timeline? Well, I Beatrice feel like I is just, wonderful. I feel like I should ask you some, a few more questions about interjection. Yeah, go for it. I, I, how, how do you, how, how do you notice it playing out like most consistently in your daily life? Like on a low key way, not like, the I big, mean, for sure legitimately in like vibes of mm-hmm. an area. Oh, just vibes. Yeah. In general. I think like you absorb the vibes. I absorb the moods yeah. and the different things. And I can, you See, can that, single that's in. An, that's just another example of the difference. Like if anybody is listening, sometimes if I consider myself a sexual five, it says you can mistype as a four. Yeah. Um, I usually, I usually go opposite of any vibe is that's in a room. If I go in a room and everybody's happy, I get upset. Hmm. If I go in a room and everybody's upset, I'm like, let's be happy. I, I go I go real opposite. I don't absorb. I think, okay, and this is where it's interesting. It depends on what I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> it's mostly subconscious, but when you can go back to it, you see how much you are subconsciously picking things mm-hmm. and doing things. Mm-hmm. I can enter a situation with want to be a certain thing and find it in the crowd and interject it like the emotion or wow, the wow you can find it in the crowd i think i'm subconsciously doing it but wow. like if i want to be sad if i want to if i need an excuse to experience sadness oh, there's that look at that person over there sad, so sad like i can go there or if i'm looking for an excuse to be happy huh. i can do that as well i think huh. um but I mean, also in terms of like idols in my life, hmm. like that is real. I have had like significant idols in my life where I people yeah. interjected their personas, their hmm. looks, their ways of seeing mannerisms. Hmm. Like it's all of that. Hmm. I can be attracted to some specific thing in a person and then grab it. Wow. And then take it as my own. Like there's super random things. This is a very odd example, but I was like, this I think is real. My, (laughs) when I was a young kid, I heard my sister sneeze one time as this like really big, weird sneeze. And I thought it sounded interesting. Whoa. And I interjected that way of sneezing. Oh, this is a great example. And then it's become like a way I sneeze. And then I've started to grow and I'm like, I don't have to sneeze like that. (laughs) Like, 
<laughs> oh, this is great. A sneeze. Why am I sneezing like that? Wow. So I like as I was reading this, I was like, it's it's it is little things. Huh. I huh. I mean my my parents moral like the it's it's everything. I again I feel What would you want to say about your parents? I mean uh I mean, I think in a lot of ways, and I was told this my whole life, mm-hmm. like I would just like my dad. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was interjecting my dad a hundred percent in mm-hmm. so many ways. Um, and I was continuing to hear messages of like, yeah. And as a kid, it's especially just like, I found like a lot of safety in that, I think. Yeah. So I think that that is a huge identity formation. You know, when you think about it. Yeah, and then we're trying to get in touch with who we actually are, not yeah. the people we've interjected. Not the people we've interjected. I know. And then when you reach, you know, there's there's certain grown-ups. I can think of multiple teachers yeah. that I interjected. They're, they're spirits in a lot of ways. It feels, it feels kind of creepy to me, and I feel, like, very weird. I'm, like, honestly, like, feel kind of weird looking back and being, like, where am I? Because hmm. I am in there and yet it's what I am is sometimes a conglomeration of Mm -hmm. ideas. It's inevitable. I don't think we can get away from it. No, I don't think so. This is why part of it does feel universal. We're all in some level grabbing from other people and identifying with their beliefs. This is just like very extreme and it's more than just ideas. Woo. Uh, I feel exposed. (laughs) (laughs) Naranjo got you. Raw baby. Naranjo covered it. it. We can okay. Naranjo got it. Yeah. Okay. So Enough. I think you guys, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and wrap up with some final thoughts about defense mechanisms mm-hmm. and uh, a goodbye to, so to you all. Yeah. So okay. Okay. back everybody we're not feeling super peppy right now we're feeling a little uh, weird and a little disoriented yeah i think these are really real and harsh and we hard. got real we got real and this one got to like i knew this was coming mm-hmm. we're talking about the defense mechanism that is my core defense mechanism and control was pretty intense too yeah these are big i just say the idea of control um is is pretty is pretty dark controlling someone and exerting control is a not good look we don't we don't want to do that everybody yeah whether it's through manipulative ways subversive ways coercive ways uh we don't we don't want to control yeah and i think we were just saying this like introduction feels Mm self-sabotaging and i essentially don't want to be self-sabotaging in a i don't and yet i fall into that yeah so it's these provide, I think, a very fascinating language for you to see back on your stories you're telling yourself mm-hmm. and and re-see them with a way that is maybe exposing some truth that's underneath the situation. So I think these are hard, essentially, because they require you to go back and rethink and expose yourself to situations mm-hmm. and things. And there's just so much weirdness 
So much embarrassment. It's a weird feeling. So much embarrassment. Got to lean into that embarrassment. I know. I know. I think you got to lean on in because we essentially shouldn't be embarrassed. It's it's so many weird ego things firing, and it's well. That's the funny thing. If Macy and I can be of a service to you all, there are people like us out there who you wouldn't need to be embarrassed uh, in front of, and actually harness that fear of embarrassment a little bit. And know that what you should be embarrassed of is not being self-aware <sighs> and being fake. So don't. <laughs> that should be an embarrassing thing to you. If you want to impress us, yeah, be, oh my be really don't, self-aware. Don't, <laughs> don't live to impress us. But <laughs> self-awareness is a long journey, and I don't, I don't think anyone ever fully comes to full self-awareness. I do like to think of a person out there who's really, in terms of the control thing, really trying to control an image and being like, I've worked so hard on this image. And I really want people to know, like, there are people that see through it. You're not fooling me. You know, I'm know. not impressed. Well, I'm not impressed by is, your cultivated image. Right. Maybe, but, but maybe 80% of people are. So you're succeeding in that sense. But <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I can be and I cannot be. Okay. You've interjected the self-image. <laughs> I what? You've interjected the image. <laughs> Look at this impressive person. Ooh. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> Okay, so we wanted to close with maybe some blessings because it feels... This is a wind down. It feels fitting and, yeah. If we just did an intense yoga session or workout, this is like the stretching, the wind down, the... The The mantra at the end. Yep, yep. Okay, should you read your blessing first? Sure, 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 sure. It doesn't matter. Mine comes from, of course, Annie Dillard. (laughs) Uh, But I like this. I mean, follow me here, everybody. Because I think this 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 is a this is sort of a magical little passage I found. I have lots of little Annie Dillard quotes highlighted in my books. I even have them on my phones. <laughs> uh, but this is from an American childhood. It just talks about her growing up basically until she was twelve. Wow! And this is her getting sort of reprimanded by a teacher. And so I think this plays into defense mechanisms into thinking about like how our false and real self starts to get developed mm-hmm. and how we let it get exposed but also conceal it again. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's it's interesting. So she's talking about getting sort of reprimanded by a teacher named Madam Owens. She says, on one of these May mornings, the school's headmistress called me in and read aloud my teacher's confidential appraisals. Getting appraised, everybody. This is what causes these defense mechanisms. Madam Owens wrote an odd thing. Madam Owens was a sturdy, affectionate, and humorous woman who had lived through two world wars in Paris by eating rats. She had curly black hair, rouged cheeks, and long, sharp teeth. She swathed her enormous body in thin black fabrics. She sat at her desk with her tiny ankles crossed. She chatted with us. She reminisced. Madam Owen's kind word on my behalf made no sense. The headmistress read it to me in her office. The statement began began unforgettably, Here, alas, is a child of the 20th century. The headmistress, Harriet Hamilton, was a brilliant and strong woman who I liked and respected. The school's small-minded trustees would soon run her out of town on a rail. Her black hair flared from her high forehead. She looked up at me significantly, raising an eyebrow, and repeated it. Here, alas, is a child of the 20th century. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know what to do about it. You got a lot of individual attention at a private school. My idea was to stay barely alive, pumping blood and exchanging gases just enough to sustain life, but certainly not enough so that anyone suspected me of sentience. 
certainly not enough so that I woke up and remembered anything until the time came when I could go. It is she, the little dead girl behind the rose bushes, the child left on the jetty, washed out to sea, the little farm child following the lane whose forehead touches the sky. Wow. Annie. There's an Annie Dillard blessing of sorts. Concealing, hiding, not being True awake. Self, True self. self, yeah. Okay. This uh, is this will be it for the night, I think, everybody. It. We're I, sending you on your way. My go-to for blessings is Jan Richardson. So it, always good. This is a blessing in the chaos. Okay. Because okay. it feels well, I'm pumped. <laughs> we need it. Yeah. To all that is chaotic within you, let there come silence. Let there be a calming of the clamoring, a stilling of the voices that have laid their claim on you, that have made their home in you, that go with you even to the holy places, but will not let you rest, will not let you hear your life with wholeness or feel the grace that fashioned you. Let what distracts you cease. Let what divides you cease. Let there come an end to what diminishes and demeans and let depart all that keeps you in its cage. Let there be an opening into the quiet that lies beneath the chaos, where you find the peace you do not think possible and see what shimmers within the storm.